You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 111. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six-figure years without burning out in the process. Speaking. Some of you, by just me muttering that little word speaking, probably already has your heart racing faster than you can say hello. Why? Because speaking freaks people out. But I'm here to tell you speaking is a powerful and wonderful way to grow your business, to reach a bigger audience, to build your credibility, to build your authority, not to mention opportunities. Speaking has opened up so many amazing opportunities for my business and continue to do so on a monthly basis. And not to mention the rush that I get from speaking is like nothing else. I just love speaking if you haven't already picked up from the the enthusiasm in my voice. So I'm super excited to bring on the amazing Jacqueline from Speakable You. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to use speaking to grow your business, the benefits of speaking, the mistakes to avoid, what to include in a presentation, and so much more. So get ready for an awesome, awesome episode. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to share your key takeaway, a fun fact or anything that you'd love to share about the podcast over on your Instagram stories and tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting, because that would put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode is sponsored by my Australia's leading four-day, three-night exclusive women in business retreat that I run every single year. The retreat is where we focus on women having the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow, not only in business, but also just in their life collectively. This exclusive event is held this year from November 5th all the way through till November 8 at the beautiful Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. And as I said, it is an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold. And I can confirm 60% of tickets have already been sold. My good friend, Denise Duffield-Thomas is going to be joining me as opening keynote. Cherie from Digital Picnic is also going to be there and so many other amazing speakers that are going to allow you to surround yourself with amazing people that will lift you both up at the conference and after the conference to daily masterminds to get individual help on your business from both your peers and the speakers, to amazing food, being able to sleep in and eat a meal uninterrupted without your kids. You're not going to want to miss this amazing exclusive event for women in business. To learn more about this event and to purchase your ticket today, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on retreat. Now let's get into this amazing episode on how to use speaking to grow your business. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me, Angela. Gosh, super excited to have you here. Now, you have just moved back from Canberra, which for those that are listening who are not in Australia, it is East Coast kind of, what, in between, I don't know, halfway East Coast on the side of a map, you could say. And now yeah. you're back in Brisbane. Um, how are you finding coming back from, you know, Canberra back to Brisbane? 
Well, I'm actually a Queensland girl at heart and I was only in Canberra for six months. So I do have to confess to be happy to escape their winter. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people, again, too, I mean, being a Canadian, for example, is our winters where I lived in Alberta could get up to like minus 40, but it felt like minus 50 with the windshield factor. And I was talking to family the other day and I had this like blanket on, my slippers on. I mean, even today I've got slippers, blanket and a hoodie on too. And they're like, Ange, when it's noon your time in winter, that's our hottest summer day. Like, what are you complaining about? I'm like, you don't understand. It gets cold as shit here. Like it gets still, it's still cold. Right. So, um, yes, I totally get it. It was four and a half degrees as I drove out on, I relocated last weekend. And when I drove out at seven o'clock on Saturday morning, it was 4.5 degrees and falling. And the next day here in Queensland, it was like 17 degrees, but I still had my slippers on. I was like, what what is wrong with me? (laughs) And did you miss anything in particular about Brisbane? Um, a lot of my, most of my children are here, so I miss that. Um, but I did miss, there is a great vibe in Brisbane. We're, we're really fantastic, vibrant living city these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did miss that vibe. There's a, there's a real entrepreneurial outlook. The restaurants are great. Well, normally the yeah. restaurants are great, everything, you know, and we're close to water and there's clear air. And so I did miss all of that. Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, welcome back home to Brisbane. Always fun. You know, we'll have to catch up once this whole, you know, I mean, world goes back to somewhat normal. And listen, I'm always, whenever I bring a guest on, my audience kind of is get trained for this one time I forgot. And I actually got an email saying, you didn't ask the guest the question. And I was like, okay. So what I like to do is I always like to ask a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit more, Jacqueline, Uh about who you are versus (laughs) just, you know, being a guru in the speaking industry, right? So my my question to you is, is what is your all-time favorite dance song? Oh my God, my all-time favorite dance song. I'm going to have to be honest. The one that will always get me, no matter how much I hate it, is YMCA. All right, it is a good one. I mean, let's be honest. You know, yeah. it's a, it is a good one. You get a few drinks in you. It can even be better. You know, yeah. Um, no, great one. I remember back in high school. So I'm from Canada, but I lived, uh, did my high school and undergrad in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I ran for president of my senior year, which is grade 12. And I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to win this? And uh, I went, I like, came out with all the gear. Do you know what I mean? It started, I got like the school of, I don't know, 1500 on their feet dancing to YMCA. So it is, do you know what I mean? One of those uh, songs that yeah, hold a special place in my heart, you know? Absolutely. So besides when you're not dancing on the dance floor with YMCA, can you tell the audience and I and just share with us a little bit about your business journey, where you started and where you are now? Oh, where I started, where I am now. So I actually, I was one of those teenagers and early 20, um, early 20s adults, young adults who had really just drifted, had no idea what she's going to do. Um, I had was a high school dropout, all that sort of stuff. At the age of 25, I moved to Melbourne and I fell into a job that I loved, which was recruitment. And it really pulled me in. Um, I started working with a, quite an elite business, a big business at the time, the most dominant one in the industry. This is in the 90s. And I fell in love with recruitment. And whilst I was working there, my mother also happened to be building a recruitment business, a temporary staffing agency in regional Queensland, which is where I was from. So I ended up stumbling into this 15, 16 year career in recruitment and I loved it. I worked right through to general manager and CEO level. Um, and I had some great successes there, you know, placed incredible people in incredible jobs, had really funky workplace engagement projects, took a business from four million to 22 million. Um, in 15 months. So it's, it's something that I really fell in love with and it became the way that I lived and breathed and my outlook. I was so curious about life and you could do that in recruitment. You were working with so many different people in so many different industries. 
And it was a true consulting space at that stage. And recruiters now are very much more sales driven rather than consulting. And and when I grew up in it, it was a true consulting space and I'm grateful for it. And then I became an industrial relations consultant. So with what I'd learned as a general manager in a boutique labor hire company, um, and what I mean by boutique is not the size of us, but the fact that we weren't part of a major brand, mm-hmm. was I had really great industrial relations and HR skills. So I went out on my own and became an industrial relations consultant. And I did, for those in Australia, they'll know what I'm talking about. I did 27 enterprise bargaining agreements and I have a 100% success rate. So it became quite a success at negotiating for whatever we wanted in the agreement and getting it through and getting it through without union, not union interference, but without union disruption. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was my life for quite a long time. I loved it. I breathed. It was 24-7. It was amazing. Uh, when I moved to Brisbane originally, um, I um, came for a year the first time and I was director of client services for Hudson, so I went back into recruitment. Then I took on a role, I came back to Brisbane about five or six years ago, and I took on a role as CEO of a traffic control company. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. So we were on all the major highways, my um, major highways and motorways in Southeast Queensland. My kids had a lot of respect for me at that time. They called me the queen of stop go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that was, I was charged with uh, contract retrieval. So turning around a major contract and also changing the culture. And I did that. It was a job I fell in love with that I would never have left except we had a change in government. So there's a whole heap of stuff behind that as to why I had to <laughs> yep. the business. Yeah. So I had to reshape the business and make it run under a GM level position rather than a CEO. So in that process, I made myself redundant. And then I um, stumbled into, I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I grow up. Um, I was in my 40s and my kids were all independent and I started looking around at what I did and I started going to all of these events because I was like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So for three months as I was exiting that CEO role, I was just going to all these events to sort of work out what the next step would be. And I literally started getting really annoyed at the fact that I was turning up to all these places and these speakers were really bad. Um, They were you know, they weren't honouring the fact that I was giving them their time. And that was from free events to $500 events. And mm-hmm. so I started getting quite curious and I stumbled into this thing that I was just going to do until the next real thing came along, mm-hmm. training people how to speak, pitch and present. And uh, several years later, here I am. You're here, <laughs> yeah. rocking and rolling stages around the world and helping so many businesses, you know. And yeah. I think it is, uh, not all people are born speakers, right? Um, no, but it doesn't not. mean that people can't be speakers. I think that's important, right? Because, yeah. you know, those stories and beliefs and all that, do you know what I mean, that hold you back, you know, that's just stuff you got to work for. But anyone can be a speaker, right? Yeah. And that's, it's so really interesting though, Angela, on that one, like anyone can be a speaker. I believe that anyone can learn how to speak. There is not a single person who cannot learn how to be an amazing speaker. Mm-hmm. I went into this business believing that everybody has a voice and everybody deserves to be heard. I am going to be really honest. I have shifted that to mm-hmm. everybody has a voice and some people should shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And it's more about um, those people. So anyone can be taught to speak, but those people who actually speak well and beautifully are those people who serve others. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming from ego, then you actually shouldn't speak. Yeah, gotcha. And I do, I mean, I do touch upon that because I personally believe that speaking, it is powerful. It is amazing. I personally have found speaking to be one of the most, like I said, powerful things just collectively within my business, but equally as myself. And I feel my voice and my message 
are, especially in this role as a leadership and supporting women in business around the world, is that there are certain things that I believe need to be said in order to make the world a better place. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, that's what I, I do like that you touched about, about that place of serving, right? Yeah. When I speak, it's about how, what will people get from this? How am I making their life better? What will change? And one of my key things that I incorporate in all of my uh, speaking is, is, you know, once I've done welcoming myself, there's a black slide. And most people think it's the slide of death. But I'm very passionate about mental health as a mental health clinician of 15 years and eight people in Australia take their lives every single day and someone who's in remission from anxiety and depression that is part of my story and I can't tell you that when I get to that slide there are tears from people in the crowd Uh, I get people pulling me aside for the rest of the conference thanking me so much sharing their stories because mental health is such there's so much stigma attached to it especially in the world of business so I do like that that you you're going from a place of serving and you know I mean making the world a better place and that's why again I'm excited to have you here today to talk to us a little bit more about how do you speaking to grow your business because that is your zone of genius yeah So I'd like to start by asking first, did you always embrace the power of speaking or was there like a moment of truth in your life where you're like, screw it, I'm starting. I know you've talked a little bit about it, but I'd like to unpack that a little bit more. So I was actually anti-speaking my whole life. Um, I grew up in a household where my mother was high profile. We had the typical, we're very close now. In fact, you know, I'm serving out my quarantine period in Brisbane at her home. Um, but we had that period of time where, you know, I don't want to be anything like my mother. So I was very anti-speaking. When I came back from Melbourne and Brisbane from working with this major recruiter and, and stepped into the family business, after a couple of years, my mum realised I could take it further than she could. And so we put a succession plan in place and she went off to pursue her true love, which was economic development. And it was really interesting because I refused to speak and at the cocktail party for the handover from my mother to myself, they actually had a book running. So we were running bets on how long it would, how long the business would now last and been in place for 10 years, how long the business would now last because Margaret had handed it over to her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the perfect cover story because all of a sudden it was like, right, that's fantastic. So what I did was I made this cover story, which was the brand is never going to be dependent on a single face ever again. Mm -hmm. So what that did for the next 18 months to two years was it meant all the speaking inquiries that still came into our business because my mother had spoken so much. um, I just delegated them out to consultants, to my team, to my practice manager, to whoever I could find in the team who's willing to do it. And I knew how to teach them and train them because I'd grown up in it. Yeah, I could train them and teach them how to do it. And I got away with it for about two years. And then I was on the Australian Student Management Committee for Central Queensland. And we were launching Management Excellence Awards. And it's about 15 years ago now, probably actually probably longer now. And um, I was sitting at my favorite place because I am an introvert. And at that stage, I refused to speak. And my favorite place was the registration desk, because by the time you walked into the room, you met most of the people and you could comfortably start a conversation. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there comfortably. Most people are in and the chair of the committee comes racing over to the table, looks like the professor out of Back to the Future. So hair flying, great <laughs> And he's like, Jack, 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 Nadine's Mr. Flight out of Sydney. And I'm like looking at him going, what? So? And he's like, and that was our keynote speaker. And he's like, you're going to have to speak. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't speak. He's like, no, 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 you're the only woman on the committee. You're going to have to speak. <laughs> yeah. And my two IC is sitting beside me. She knows I've just got caught. She's like so helpful. She's like, I've got the table. Off you go. And I'm like looking at her going, Alicia. And she's like, go on. You know, you need to. She was literally in hysterical laughter because she knew I just got caught in the crosshairs, right? So yep. between fear and predation, because I was on the committee, I couldn't let the committee down. So 
It was about leadership. So all I could think of was the stories I'd worked under Andrew Banks and Jeff Morgan in recruitment. So I told stories about that. I'm racing back into the room ready to get on stage. I'm like, God, if I tell stories about suits from the city, because in regional Australia, we hated suits from the city winning winning our work. Uh I thought if I just tell stories about suits from the city, I'm going to get crucified. So then at the last minute I went, I'm going to talk about people who lead PNC, Surf Life Saving Clubs, like all of that, the everyday leaders. And I put it all together and when I came off the stage, the um the the national chair came up to me and he said love your speech we want the script we want to put it on the website and I was like you what <laughs> yep. and then by the time I left that um that night I had three engagements to speak at other events mm-hmm. and the only way I can describe it is I was like the shy quiet teenager that discovered crack cocaine <laughs> yep as you do so I like literally went from refusing to speak my entire life to I would speak anywhere anytime for anyone on anything just mm-hmm. put me in a room, give me a microphone. After a while, and this is you'll relate to this and so will most of the audience, after a while I started to realise now our business had been very comfortable at multi-million dollar turnover in regional Australia for years. We were really comfortable. After a while of doing all this speaking, I realised that our business was actually for the first time in years, was actually we had month-on-month growth. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realise that if I spoke and I put my consulting team spread through the room, we didn't just have some growth. We would have a spike and we would never drop back to where we were. Mm-hmm. And then about six months later, I realised that I was becoming the media commentator, right, right. for things that our business. And I was like, hang on a minute, there is something serious in this. But my actual moment of truth was not just speaking. My actual moment of truth was actually realising when I was doing all this speaking, I would run into people a couple of weeks later and they go, oh, my God, that was so good. I loved hearing you speak. But they would never be able to tell me what I spoke on. I would get rebooked, but people didn't really know what I was what I was speaking about. And that was when that was my moment of truth was I could entertain and engage, but I couldn't make an impact. Gotcha. Yep. And that's when you're like, I've got to, you know, either I hang my boots up or we find a way to make the impact stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like to talk about impact. Let's hold that about for a second because I just want to go back a little bit. So, okay, you know, you get caught out, you go on stage, you know, you feel like that lightning adrenaline that I think anyone who's ever spoke before, even if you're nervous, it feels you're on a bit of a high when you're done. But collectively, because you've worked with a lot of people around the world, you know, mean, from a speaking perspective and a variety of things, but specifically I'm talking about speaking today. What have you found to be the biggest benefits and advantages of people utilizing speaking to grow their business specifically? It is the, so long as you, there's, there is a waiver to this. You have to get really good at understanding what your value is to the people in front of you, mm-hmm. right? But so long as you understand that, the, the, the specific benefit is it is the single fastest way to grow your business. Mm-hmm. It is the single fastest way to become recognized as an expert. And the thing is, is if you invest in your speaking skill and double down on how to speak really well, you end up with incredible writing skills, incredible messaging skills, and all of the, and the ability to very quickly answer questions well so it improves your visibility absolutely but it also improves your ability to sell it improves your ability to close a deal it improves your ability to do a facebook live it improves so if you want your business to be relevant and visible it is the fastest way to do that um you know i did have a a, a venture in 2016 which actually went into receivership and i had um i had millions of hits on millions of dollars of publicity about that going under so when I started to launch this business properly I couldn't use our digital footprint I could because I had 73 pages on Google talking about my receivership Uh Um, and so digital funnels Facebook marketing everything was off the table I could not use any of that 
And I still went to six figures in less than multiple six figures in less than six months because I knew how to speak. So I literally got in front of every room I possibly could and spoke mm-hmm. and spoke well and gave people belief and trust in faith in spite of that. Mm-hmm. So not only have I done it in good times, I've also done it when your back is against the wall. So if you want to create a robust business and create visibility, and Angela, you know this works for you as well, mm-hmm. is the fastest way to do that is to speak and to speak well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's, I mean, listen, I could talk about the benefits that I've seen with speaking, but also, you know, from a podcasting point of view, right, is yeah. being able to, I mean, you can't just have a podcast and not be able to speak, right, not be able to engage in conversations and not, again, I try and hope that every episode I have has some sort of value and impact, because if not, why are people listening, really? Yeah. Um, but I do think, again, it's, it's connections, right? And in a yeah. world where everyone is so disconnected in many, many ways, right? Again, if you are able to produce a good presentation to people and make people feel and make, you you know, you've left that emotional imprint on them, they're going to be more likely to recall you. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. So I I couldn't agree more about, you know, the it's, it's exceptionally fast way to grow. You're showing up, you become trustworthy, you're building your credibility, you're building your visibility. Uh, Again, the connections, I also believe your network equals your net worth. And the amount of people that again, I've been able to, I mean, really have, uh, I'm very grateful for the shoulders that I'm able to rub with, you know, some people I never would have thought I'd speak on stage with Pat Flynn, you know, Jordan Harbinger, a few of them over from the US, right? Like, you're just an equal, right? Kicking back on stage. Um, This week alone, It's also, Angela, it's also, you know, when you are in the arena and you're speaking, it is real-time feedback. So even your brightest idea may not land and you see that straight away, you feel that straight away, your audience tells you straight away. Mm -hmm. So it it is absolutely about investing in your future, but it also is the greatest indicator of when you need to hit the kill switch on something, which as entrepreneurs, we can quite often get attached to our ideas. Oh, totally. 100%. Every single day I have this message with clients. Yeah. Uh, Do we just need to wrap this up, fail fast? Do you know what I mean? And move on, right? Like you don't need to push shit up a hill. Yeah, (laughs) you really don't. So speaking is absolutely vital and critical to lifting your profile and being trusted, Mm -hmm. but it's also the fastest in real time feedback as to when something needs to have the kill switch hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And again, as I'm sure you'll talk about potentially later on, is it again, being able to read the audience, you know, it's, it's very, in my opinion, very straightforward. They either liked it or they didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of like, you meet me in the middle here. You know what I mean? Yeah. You either engage them, gave them what they wanted or uh, yeah, you sucked. I mean, that's yeah. being nice. Right. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I mean, and listen, I also, you know, in our current climate and, and you know, things are slowly changing here in Australia and I won't go too much about COVID because actually I don't want to give a lot of time to COVID as in, do you know what I mean? I just, I try and look at the positive wherever we're at in the world, not minimizing what's going on. But I mean, even this week alone, I've got five speaking engagements. Now I heard someone say in my uh, Facebook community, they said, oh, was it Facebook community or maybe they DM me someone along the lines this week was like, oh, but they're just virtual. And I'm like, Okay, because my whole my big thing this year was to break into the international market in my way of doing that, as I've already spoken in Phoenix this year, I was due to speak in Canada at their you know largest uh, conference over in Canada, I was heading to Iceland, a bunch of different places, right? Um, to speak and not to speak, but to attend events. And for me, it was just one of those things that I was like, virtual or not, if you have an opportunity to speak and add value and create connections and build your credibility, I don't care where I'm speaking. Do you know what I mean? As long as the right audience and I can add value, right? So in a time where things have been taken away from a face-to-face capacity, uh, I think it's important to know that any stage is a good stage, right? For the most part. 
Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I was speaking about even before we can, we went into this current environment is I was starting to speak quite, vo- I was getting very vocal about the fact that our stage is not, stop thinking that a stage has to be the thousand person conference or that. Exactly right. You know, the stage is wherever you can get your spoken message, use the spoken word to communicate and connect with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that now means Facebook lives, LinkedIn lives, podcasting, videos, YouTube channels, virtual training. I've been doing virtual delivery since 2016. I didn't just pivot to do virtual delivery when this happened. Virtual delivery is part of the mix because it is the ability. So a stage is anywhere that you can connect with someone through the spoken word. Full stop. No, fantastic. Because that's how I look at it. I'm like, you know, and I'll hear people say, I've only got 200 people in my Facebook group. I'm like, imagine speaking to 200 people on stage. That's a decent size audience. Right. I remember when I hit uh, 58,000 people on my Facebook page for my first business and someone said here in Brisbane, that's the size of Suncorp Stadium and some because Suncorp can hit hit, us bit about, sorry, 52,000. And I was like, oh. Yeah, you mean being like you too, singing in front of 52,000 people. I was like, damn, that's pretty, you know, so whether or not you've got an audience of 20 or you've got an audience of 200, never dismiss, right? And here's the thing as well, like, you know, great speaking, when you construct a presentation or a speech or a keynote or even a pitch, great speeches are actually one conversation to one person. I don't care if you're speaking to 10,000. They're not constructors if we're speaking to Mm 10,000. Everybody who hears you speak has to feel like you are speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can construct that is as if you're having one conversation with one person every time. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, then you can actually quickly go from a room with 10 people at a, you know, at a tiny little business networking breakfast to a stage of a thousand or 10,000. Like, you know, it's speaking well is not about speaking to the masses. Speaking well is about every time you speak, somebody connects with the spoken word. Yep. Amen. And I'm really big about conversations equal connection. And when you have connection, you equal conversions, right? So uh, I'm a firm believer of that. So tell me, why do you think businesses don't embrace speaking? What have you seen over the years? So some of it is that there's a few things here. So some of it is they simply haven't been aware that it's really available to them. Like I'm still surprised even in 2020 by the amount of people who go, wow, that's a thing I could do. Um, that's number one. And that, you know, for people like you and I, it's like, really, you don't, <laughs> you don't know this already. Um, number two is, especially when we come to purpose-driven professionals, so people who are exceptional at their work, mm-hmm. they are so busy doing it that there's two things that happen. They're so busy delivering that they don't, they underestimate the value of what they know to be true about the world. And they also don't believe that they have, that anyone would listen to them if they start to speak, mm-hmm. which brings me to the main thing. The main reason why I find people are not speaking to lift their business is they underestimate two things. They underestimate the impact it can have. So they don't realize that just by getting great at speaking, it improves everything and all your communication and lifts your visibility. The second thing is, is it's our internal voice that stops us from using our external voice. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody pulls themselves back from speaking, a lot of the time, if it's not just that they don't know how to put it together, which I can cover off very quickly and get people moving with, it's usually something that has happened along the way that mm-hmm. has told them that their voice is not worth being heard. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's the internal chatter. 
And again, that will come down to that mindset, right? Totally. I suspect that, you know, lack of confidence, lack of ability, lack of worth, or this is what they're telling themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not worth being my story or whatever. And and I think, again, whether or not that's speaking, but I also just find that with business owners in general, right? Mm-hmm. I believe 85% of business success comes down to mindset. Um, 15, I can teach anyone strategy. I really can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can teach you how to have a conversional website, how to do sales funnels, how to market yourself. But if you do you know I mean have a fixed mindset, it doesn't matter what I teach you. It's you're, you're not going to absorb it. Right. So I would suspect that something similar to speaking, right. Like Debbie Downer the entire time. Well, it doesn't matter how much magical, you mean unicorn shit we sprinkle over someone. It's not going to stick. Right. Because right. they're just, they're, they're not ready for it. So, you know, that's great to understand too, that again, mindset plays such an important part of that. So for those listeners that are like, okay, you guys are kind of convincing me here a little bit about, you know, speaking, but if they want to start speaking to grow their business, are there any mistakes? Because, and I look at mistakes as lessons that are needed in order to grow. All right. So I, I hate the word mistake by itself. So I like to caveat there. So are there mistakes, aka lessons that people should avoid right off the bat? Because I'm a believer if there's, there's a shit ton of things I wish I would have known when I first started in business, there's yeah. some that I would have not had to make those mistakes to learn those lessons, right? So what do you think they need to just avoid right off the bat in order to, yeah, start speaking? So right off the bat, there's a couple of things. So one is um, don't do therapy from the stage, mm-hmm. right? So what I mean by that is if you, everyone can speak to dra- drama, trauma, um, dramatic moments in their life and things like that. And that if, but if you can't speak to the resolution or the outcome and you can't share the learnings from that period in your life and you are not ready to speak about it and you cannot put your audience through it, that's number yep. one. Amen. <laughs> number two is stop being self-indulgent. So people think that if they've got great experience, it's all about their experience, it's all about their story. It's actually not. So the way that I teach people how to speak is no more than 30% of the stories are actually your own stories, mm-hmm. no more than. Um, and usually only about 20% of the content is your own stories. You may use experience, but we have a different lens. So stop being self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing is more of a myth. So there's some myths out there. So, you know, it's um, I have to be funny is one of them. Mm-hmm. People come up to me and say, I know I need to do more speaking and I know that I have to be funny. And my response is always, are you funny in real life? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not funny in real life and you try to be funny on a stage, you will be inauthentic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the next thing is is to not believe. So here's my thing as well. The way that I teach people how to speak, so the thing that's wrong is don't sell from the stage, right? Do yep. not sell from the stage. Do not seed a pitch from the stage. Do not say reach out and connect with me. Deliver what you have with so much value and so much certainty and so much um, sharing of love, if you like, a sharing of knowledge, bring the best of you to the stage because if you position yourself really well, you will generate more money than you ever can from the people who love you, fall in love with you and say, here's my check. Mm-hmm than you ever can from selling from a stage mm-hmm. um, is one of my big things. So a big mistake is if I'm going to speak to promote my business, I need to sell from stage. No, you don't. You need to do everything but. Yeah. Yep. No, fair enough. I mean, and that's what, you know, sometimes there's been conferences that I've been at where you like sign a contract that says no pitching from stage, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why does that even have to be part of the contract? Yeah. Because like to, it's like, I mean, people do it all the time, but I'm just like, to me, common sense is that's, you don't do it, right? Like I know. add value first, 
receive benefits later, right? I'm very big. There's a great book called The Go-Givers. I don't know if you've read it or not. Yeah. And it's it's on the whole essence of give value first and you will be profitable, right? And I look at speaking as very similar, do you know what I mean, platform. But yeah, so they'll be at speaking events where like you've signed a contract. If you do sell from stage, you potentially could be fined $50,000, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's still people who are up there. Yeah, I know. So this is one of the things I found. So when I first started getting annoyed that the speakers that were wasting my time when I went to all those events when I was transitioning out of the CEO role was what I went was what's gone wrong because when I learned how to speak, so when I realised, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago that this was a thing that I should invest in it, I did. I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in speaking. So speaking, communicating, negotiating, facilitating, anything I could find to do with the spoken word. Yep. And I thought, well, what's gone wrong? Why are people not understanding? Why are people trying to sell me all the time? And why have I got this stage pitch? And, and so I got really curious. And what happened was when I went and looked at the speaker training of Bag of the Bullet, the minute for the majority of speaker trainers out there and pitch trainers and everything else, the minute you put entrepreneur or small business owner into the marketing collateral, mm-hmm. it becomes about selling from stage. So this is why it's happened because there are people out there teaching people to sell directly from stage to make money so they can show them a tangible return on investment. And that is the majority of speaker training and presentation training available for entrepreneurs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's pretty shit. Really annoyed and went, it's wrong. Be a value and of service and show how good you are and share how good you are, and the rest comes. And so, speaking of value, you know, ego getting put to the side, what do speakers need to include and not include when it comes to creating a rock star presentation? So when it comes to creating a rock star presentation, there's a couple of things. First is you will you need structure because you are actually going to be deliberately moving people from where they are now to where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. So you do need structure to do that. You do need to be able to give them a logical pathway to follow. So it's not that you give them instructions, turn left, turn right, go around the roundabout. It's they can follow you easily. The second thing is, is that you must create what I call inhalable content. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of levels to this. So inhalable content is um, great stories that speak to the point. So we start with what I call a blue apple. So blue apple strategy is something that I share with my clients. And the blue apple is you want to be unique and different in the marketplace that's not so mu- not so far removed from who you are that I can't still see that you're an apple. Mm-hmm. And so inhalable content are some questions that we ask ourselves. So what is the, what is it? What is it that I'm speaking about? But more importantly, what is the gift that I want to give the audience that they can take away and use? And what is the emotional state I want to leave them at the end? Mm -hmm. And that dictates the stories that we're going to use. So stories are not just about telling stories. Stories need to be told on purpose to the purpose of the message and the emotional state you want to leave people in. And so stories have to be selected. Sometimes we actually have to kill our favourite children. So Mm -hmm. great stories. But only about a third of your presentation, there's a really, there's a really almost like science behind this, but only about a third of your presentation should be all about story. Mm-hmm. The rest of it has to be things that your audience can take away and use. My biggest thing I would say to do a rock star presentation is about 40 to 45%, maybe even a little bit higher of your presentation is actually you giving the best of you. So we don't want to give all of you, we want to give the best of you. So if you're talking about For example, when I talk about speaking or when I talk about pitching, I will give my best strategy to you 
in the middle of my presentation. Mm -hmm. I will give something that you can go away and use now. I teach people to give the best questions that people can use to start changing their life. What is the first steps that they should take? What is the strategy that they should look at? Who should they, like, give the best of you for what it is that you're famous for, that people can go away and use no matter whether or not they ever see you again, Mm -hmm. right? And then always when you're coming back out, wrap them up. So don't leave them stuck in drama. Don't leave them stuck in detail. Pull them back out and wrap the story, wrap the presentation up by looping back to the stories that you opened with, mm-hmm. right? Because that means that you're actually looking after your audience from a neurological perspective. So great stories that are on point to what to the gift and the topic. Great content in the middle that gives the best of you that they can go away and use straight away and it's like you're creating magic in their world Mm -hmm. right and the reason why we have both so we need story to connect and then we need them to have something they can take away and use because the combination of the two is what actually embeds you into their cellular memory Mm -hmm. yeah it's it just basically comes back down to solidifying everything it's like i've got both pieces and now again i've got it right whereas if you only do one or the other you're just like you said before you're leaving them hanging absolutely and you can't do that to your audience no they're gonna be like what is this this isn't a netflix episode where the next episode is coming (laughs) right you're like you just laughing that you cannot do this right absolutely so for those out there that are like, okay, and clearly you're pumped up about speaking, you do it often. Jacqueline, you clearly love speaking and you do it often, but equally teach people. What are your top tips for those businesses out there that would like to get started with speaking? So as far as getting started with speaking, I actually start everybody with what I call the authenticity model. And so there's there's three core elements to that. So it's actually who are you really? Not who do you think you should be, yeah. but who are you really? Because everyone talks about being authentic, but no one stops to look at who they are at a core level. So mm-hmm. if you strip the world away, who are you really? And it goes to what I was saying before about are you really funny or are you this? So we identify who you actually are at a core level. The second thing is... Um, how do you serve? So what is it that the world loves about you? Mm-hmm. How do you serve? What is it that people ask you to have a coffee for to pick your brain about? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do I serve? So that's the second element. The third element is actually identifying what you have the right to speak to. So so many people come up to me and say, I want to speak on this. Do you have a background in it? No, I've just started studying it. No. What do you actually have the right to speak to? What do you have deep experience, deep expertise, or a unique way of thinking that is yours that you have the right to speak to, right? Mm -hmm. Then um, as far as getting moving, you don't actually need someone like me to get yourself moving as a speaker. Mm -hmm. Go to YouTube or to TED Talks. Find your favourite speakers and watch them three times right? So find a speech, watch it three times. The first time for everything you love, the second time for everything that irritates you, and the third time for the words and phrases that you love that they use, because this will give you a great indicator to how you want to show up as a speaker and you can start crafting yourself in their likeness. Mm-hmm. The next thing is, is actually identifying very, you've got to have a crystal clear message. So it's no good saying, I can tell them about 101 things what's the one thing you can tell them about in this presentation what is the one topic the one thing the one message you're going to share with them to take away mm-hmm. yeah yep okay and that's where I would start I'd say that is a fantastic way to start you know and again I think going back to what you talked about is really is this is the same similar thing that I do with my clients when they first start working with me and whether or not that's my one-to-one my mastermind or my group coaching is that why are you doing what you're doing? And what are your core values? 
Because mm-hmm. if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing and you don't understand your core values, trying to create content, trying to create presentations, trying to do, do you know what I mean? Create product lines, whatever. Yeah. That will probably get you so far. But there's going to come a time where there'll be a disconnect with your audience, with you, and therefore sales and your business could crumble, right? So Absolutely. I'm very big about, you know, going back and I'm, you know, I would say that I'm probably more a, a foundational coach and that I'm very big about you lay the foundations correctly instead of having a, a, you know, a house made of sticks like the three little pigs or a house made of, you know, straw that again, you're structurally there, but you could crumble at any time. It's the same thing, like understand those basic fundamentals in order to grow up for whether or not, again, that's presentation, business or life in general, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And one of the things that I found really interesting is people quite often come into my room because they're ready to start speaking. Uh, Like I don't get people going, I want to, I want to improve my confidence. I get people go, this is the next level for what I need to do next. Yeah. And what I find very interesting is particularly really accomplished professionals because high performing individuals usually have a very dramatic personal hero story as well along the way. And what I find very interesting is people know that, that you know, beautiful, dramatic hero's journey that they've been through on a personal level and have convinced them that what they should be speaking about when they start to speak is that. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting, though, is we've got to speak to where you serve the most and what lights you up. So, for example, in the last live workshop before we went into the current scenario, I had an incredibly accomplished accountant, actually, I think you know her, and um, she had a really transformational personal story and she turned up to tell that personal transformational story, but I couldn't get her to dig deep enough for those foundational level elements. But when we went to what she does and what she's created and and the the way she changes the world of her clients in her work, Mm -hmm. it was mind-blowing it was elegant it was captivating and so she came in going it's time for me to speak I'm going to speak on this personal journey and by the time she left she had fallen in love again with the fact that she actually really damn well loves what she does in the world mm-hmm. and that is what she needed to bring to the table so so many times we get caught up with distraction and with other people's feedback but what it's about is actually where do you light up where do you love adding value to the world and what is actually truly valuable about what you know to be true Mm-hmm. No, fantastic. What a, you know, succinct episode about how businesses can, do you know I mean, get started with speaking to grow their business. Uh, and I know there'll be many of you out there that, again, we've planted the seed. It might not be something that you're doing now, but I'm all about this podcast about giving people different things to think about, about how they can grow as individuals and in their business. So I appreciate your time today, Jacqueline. Now, one other question though that I'd like to wrap up with is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started in business? No, <laughs> um, that every day will be a learning experience. You never, there's no final destination. It is, you have to continue learning, observing. There is no end destination. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the Hotel California. Once you get into this thing, you cannot get out. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very, very sound advice. And for those listeners that would love to connect with you, what is the best way and how can they connect? Yeah, look, there's two ways. One is uh, connect with me directly on LinkedIn, which is Jacqueline Nagel one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other way is via our website, which is where we keep you up to date with our virtual and our in real life events. Oh, fantastic. And anything, what's something exciting that was happening in the, in your world uh, with business? Do you have any upcoming workshops, anything going online, anything like that, that you want to share with us? 
Yeah, so we've I have actually converted my workshops to virtual delivery and they're going really well. In fact, some of them I think are going even better. Um, so I'm really, I'm actually really excited. So what's happening in my world is right now we're doing live training through virtual rather than virtual delivery, online delivery, and that's going extraordinarily well. They are hoping we're back to a, a semi-normal world by November because we actually run showcase events with our up-and-coming and emerging speakers, mm-hmm. and they're always free for audience and they're great events. They're all-day networking events as well as it's run like a full conference program, so that'll uh-huh. be in November. Um, But generally speaking, I'm just really excited. The next layer of what we do as speakers, it's always been, as you know, Angela, about um, our message and our value. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the second layer of that has been about building our platform skills and how we present. But now it's also about production. And so we're going down the rabbit hole production and making sure that we can actually take our clients on a journey where no matter how they're delivering, their production is going to be amazing. It sounds amazing, 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 amazing. So if you do want to connect with Jacqueline, make sure that you head over to LinkedIn. We'll also have all those links in the show notes, which will be found at angelahenderson.com.au. And before we sign off, I just want to remind you that my team and I will be putting together everything again, as I just said, over at angelahenderson.com.au. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially on your Instagram stories and tagging me at, at Angela Henderson Consulting or share it wherever. LinkedIn, Facebook, doesn't worry me. You know, any share is a good share. I'd also love to remind you if you haven't already subs- subscribed to the episode or left a review, I would also greatly appreciate that. Thanks again, Jacqueline, for your your awesomeness today. I hope you have a fab day in Brisbane. And for the rest of you, have a brilliant day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Jacqueline. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au